Hi and welcome to Take Me Back, the Koi podcast. The Koi we believe that every meal has a story, and that this podcast brings to you some of our favorite stories. Whether it be your first meal in a foreign land, fast food you ate on your first date, or comfort food the last time you were ill, every meal is a window into someone else's world, filled with memories, hopes, and dreams. Join us as Koi explores the intimacies behind your most memorable meals. Right here on Take Me Back. Hey, Aparna, thank you so much for taking the time out. We really, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Great, thank you for having me here, Arna. Awesome. I will quickly introduce you in in one line to the rest of our listeners. Aparna is someone who does a lot of very interesting things related to food. under the moniker traveling thali and she is some someone we wanted to bring on the podcast simply because she resonates a lot with what koi is doing and what we're up to as well and really goes above and beyond what we know about food and what we know about culture to ensure that people associated with her have a holistic understanding of a place and really really feel like they're in a different part of the world when they may be sitting at home So when I do tell us a little more about myself and forgive my not very flattering introduction. No, I think that was perfect. I think it really reflects what you said about how we resonate with uh, what we do and you know why we're kind of doing this together today. Um so basically like Arnav said I I uh, under the brand of the traveling thali we do cooking and cultural workshops from all over the world at least the part of the world that I am familiar with at the moment and the whole idea why we do this is kind of to expose people to different cultures through food art uh, you know music all of that and to use that to kind of increase curiosity among people and reduce biases and hatred towards something that's alien to them and so that's what we do and this is something that was born about 2 years ago when i was in uh, mexico because at that point there i was doing indian cooking and cultural workshops and people loved it and so when i was coming back to india i was very keen that i have to bring latin american culture uh, to india because i w- i had become uh, and gained certain familiarity with it and fallen in love with the culture so to speak super super and i i think that uh, exactly as you said like food is a wonderful vehicle for cultural mindfulness and i think that in a world that we live in where so f- easy to have perceptions of different cultures and different kinds of people i think food is something that universally brings people together and and regardless of where you live you you food is something that's so disarming and something that that is is one of at least in my opinion one of my f- most favorite universals that that exist so i'm very glad to have you on the show and i will jump straight into it uh, tell us about your most memorable food experience So my most memorable food experience is from my time in Mexico. Um it was in this region in called Oaxaca in Mexico where we had a really interesting dish which is uh, rice with chicken and mole. And so what is mole? It's basically a sauce like a curry base if you will, uh which is really interesting because it has anywhere between 20 to sometimes even up to 80 ingredients uh, all really well balanced together to make a rich and amazing sauce. but you know that's not the most interesting part of it i think 
the most interesting part is that one of the main ingredients is dark chocolate and that kind of blew my mind when i first heard about it because you know who puts dark chocolate in a curry sauce that that is a, i think very interesting and it's very alien to the kind of food that we've been exposed to and I, even if we have eaten a lot of different cuisines and i think that i tried myself and have had a wide variety of different foods in in, in my lifetime i've never heard of dark chocolate being used in in a sauce in a savory dish so this is very i i i'm very eager to learn more about this but before that if we can step back and understand sort of how did you land up in mexico what what were you doing was it a vacation were you there for work how, how did you reach mexico yeah so i mean i think for that let's step back a little bit uh, into some ancient history 12 years ago now um which is when i first started learning spanish in mumbai and so as part of that cultural uh, exposure to the language and you know the food and the festivals and all of that is when i kind of first learned about mole also and at that point also it blew my mind as it is blowing your mind today arnav that you know what why why is chocolate in this uh, dish that sounds so weird and i really want to try it uh but yeah basically 12 years ago i started learning spanish and i became very familiar with the language and the culture of all spanish speaking countries and um i sort of then had this always had this curiosity that i want to go uh, live and work in a spanish speaking country so my undergrad my uh, my sorry my masters i did in spain and then so in my work life i decided i should go to latin america and mexico sort of happened like that um and so yeah i worked there for a year with impact startups all through latin america and had the chance to really experience the culture of mexico and other countries of latin america wonderful I, that is i think the dream of most of us to you know work in a place that we are fascinated or enamored by and i think that you have managed to do that which is and i assume something very close to your heart as well because impact startups aren't everyone's cup of tea so really really glad that you know someone i know has has done the impossible and is sort of living in a place and working in a place that they they wanted to or have wanted to for a really long time and and was this mole eaten in i assume you were working in mexico city because that's where most things in mexico are happening was this mole did you have it in mexico city was it on a vacation or you know how how did you stumble upon this particular dish yeah So I think when when I knew I was going to be in Mexico uh, for a year primarily I didn't know what would happen after that so we were very strategic right when we landed in Mexico every weekend and every break possible we had a vacation plan and some of the first few vacations were about you know sight sightseeing and seeing these uh, amazing you know pyramids and uh, forests and beaches and all of that which are you know something that Mexico is famous for uh, and so a lot of the beginning trips were about seeing these sites and not necessarily about culinary exploration so we had mole a few times in different places but none of them were things that we actually seeked out uh, properly and we kind of did research and found the best mole uh, and so we I, i i ate them i wasn't super impressed with them i was like okay fine this is you know this is not spectacular and those moles would never have made it to you know this call today as memorable moles and so you know they were just something that existed in my life 
but there was one particular vacation and trip that I want to mention, which is when we went to Oaxaca, which is in the southwest uh, of Mexico City. Um, and that we were very clear. That is not a sightseeing trip. That is a culinary exploration. And because we had heard that Oaxaca is one of the culinary, you know, culinary wise, most richest regions of Mexico, uh, very famous for cheese, coffee, uh, chocolate, and had has had a strong indigenous culture of food and mezcal and things like that. And so for this trip, we were going to be there for some three, four days. So we did a lot of research beforehand, put together a whole list of, uh, you know, different items and different restaurants and cafes and markets that we wanted to eat at. And so you can imagine we were there for three or four days and we had this, you know, 20, 30 items that we wanted to experience. And so our whole trip basically looked like, you know, breakfast in one place a coffee in another place, a snack in a third place, a drink in a fourth place, lunch here, evening snacks, dinner. So it was very chock-a-block with all of these yummy things we wanted to eat and drink. And so we were squeezing the sightseeing items, you know, the pyramid here, uh, the farm there in the midst of all of this, because, you know, we were very clear, this is where we are seeking out good food and potentially our life-changing mole. Um, and so this particular uh, dish, the mole that we had was in Oaxaca. This is the kind of vacation that I feel like I should be going on nowadays, wherein the touristy stuff is a is a byproduct of the food and I, I love the like it's almost like a like a game show wherein you guys had like a list of foods that you had to had to eat and you sort of had to optimize your entire trip uh, to make sure that you can eat those foods and I think that that is wonderful I think that this is uh, going to be told to my friends and I am going to plan my vacations like this going forward and and just tell us a little more about the, this this city Oaxaca. It, was it and and specifically the mole that you ate? You know, was it a you know a hole in the wall that you went to, um, or and what kind of atmosphere or vibe did that city really have? Because it's at least in my limited knowledge of Mexico, it's not one of the most um, when you hear of Mexico, you hear of your Cancun or you know some of these very Americanized cities almost, but you don't hear of Oaxaca as much. And how is that culture of Oaxaca spread across the world? And what was the culture in the city like? Yeah, so uh, Oaxaca is basically a state in Mexico and sort of the main city in Oaxaca is Oaxaca City or Oaxaca de Juarez, I think what it's called in Spanish. Um, and so uh, most of our time was spent in the city and we went to a diverse variety of places there, right? From decent restaurants to really fancy restaurants to markets, just food markets, miles and miles of different types of food. We went to mezcal farmers. So it, it included a wide variety of things, which is probably what's really awesome about Oaxaca. And so the mole we ate, uh, you know, for, just for the amazingness of the story, I would have loved for it to be like this little abuelita, which is, you know, a grandmother, Mexican grandmother, uh, running her hole in the wall stall or restaurant and just making mole from scratch for us. But it wasn't that. I think the, the mole was good enough to make up for not having this part in the story. It was this fancy restaurant and bar. Um, they have this, they, it's called Los Danzantes. 
it was recommended to us by locals as uh, a restaurant that really celebrates mexican food and mexican culture and specifically oaxacan food and culture and it kind of pairs well with the fact that they have their own tequila and mezcal brands also with which they serve you with the food and serve you cocktails uh, made with these alcohols and so uh, that's where we had the mole and just to tell you a little bit i'm actually transporting mentally to that moment right now um so this is a place that has kind of it's very zen so to speak even though the concept of zen is not necessarily from that part of the world the place had a little bit of open air uh, open to sky uh, tables a little bit of you know uh, under roof tables lots of plants uh, we went there in the evening kind of setting sun situation and then as the sun set beautiful lights not too bright you know but dull um, amazing local music and with all of these local foods and smells surrounding you and herbs that you know we would never have heard of cheeses we would have never have heard of all of that and so that's where we had the mole um and because you know I, as you can imagine we were having so many meals a day i wasn't too hungry when we went to this place uh, but you know we knew it's a place that's famous for the local food and we have to go we have to try it out and so i ordered a cocktail and a couple of starters my friend thankfully uh, ordered a start starters as well as well as the chicken and mole and rice and so it was an amazing dish when it came because you know it's a stack of chicken and rice all covered with mole you know the chicken and rice is there but the main star of the show is basically the mole and he he tried a spoon and his face completely changed and he was like aparna like i know you're vegetarian but you have to try this and so i think i, I have to mention here i forgot to mention earlier that during this trip in mexico i was primarily a vegetarian but you know the way adam's expression changed i had to try this and i was like okay doesn't matter if it's chicken i'm going to try it and when i tried it it was so 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 amazing that we ended up ordering another dish of the chicken and mole and it is everything you know to, since the last 12 years i had been hearing so much about this dish and this moment was so perfect uh and totally kind of lived up to whatever i had heard about it and i was it, that's why it's made it here today as the most memorable moment and why i really loved it it, it it's a rich sauce it has 20 to 80 ingredients like i said before which makes it very complex but when you eat it it's so light and so amazing uh that it's yeah it just makes it to this list of memorable moments wonderful wonderful and it's it sounds like a very complex dish to make uh it sounds like 20 to 80 ingredients is is even for our indian standards where i feel like there are rich foods this is another level of of rich another level of complex and do you have any insight into how this is prepared or made or is that something like a a mexican secret that they don't reveal to the rest of the world yeah so first let me tell you a little bit about the ingredients right i mean obviously i can't name all 20 or 80 but uh, broadly the large buckets of ingredients would be different types of chilies which obviously originate in mexico and each has a different flavor profile that adds value to the sauce uh you have a whole bunch of nuts that go in there which interestingly don't have origin in mexico came from different parts of the world uh, you know along with the spanish colonization and you have a whole bunch of spices that go in there again which don't originate in 
Mexico most likely came with the Spanish colonization. And so all of these, I had read somewhere uh, by a Mexican chef that all of these ingredients from different parts of the world come together in such a beautiful way to become a truly Mexican dish, you know. And Mexicans are very proud of their food, very proud of their culture in a very beautiful way that I really appreciated when I was there. And so um, about this dish, right, uh, the there's lots of different origin stories that I had also read about uh, during my Spanish learning journey. Some versions say that it came to nuns of a convent in Mexico as kind of divine knowledge. Uh, some non, some people say that it existed in pre-Hispanic times as well. So lots of different versions and curiously enough, lots of different moles in Mexico also. So if you ask me exactly how is it made, there's so many different versions. I can't point to one and say, you know, this is the process. Um, and what's interesting also is now because it's so complex, not many people actually make it at home anymore. So it's not like, you know, if, if we want to make a garam masala and a curry with that, it's not something that everybody does anymore. And what happens now is if you go to a local market with, you know, your fruits, vegetables, cheeses, whatnot, they will have a mole stall, which have all of these different types of mole, uh, different colors even, and they decorate it beautifully, kind of arrange it in a way so you get the visual appearance of all these different mole bases. So these are the pasta de mole or the, you know, the paste of the mole that they bring home and they kind of extend it and add it and make it into the whole uh, curry for their home consumption with rice or with tortilla. And so uh, I have tried to make it a few different times. It's, it's tricky because we don't have exactly the same chilies and you have to work with these different ingredients that are locally available. There's times where I've been very happy with it and the, the kind of flavor profile I'm trying to replicate, uh, flavor not just flavor profile, the entire you know experience and that moment of having eaten it at Los Danzantes in Oaxaca. So I've, I've been happy with it a few times. Sometimes people haven't been happy with it. I haven't been happy with it. It's, it's a tricky dish to get right. And... Uh, I am, I can, the times that I've been happy with it, I regret that I haven't actually noted down the exact, you know, num quantities of each of the ingredients. I, it came to me, I made it, it tasted well. And so I, it's almost sounds like I'm also talking about this, you know, divine intervention to bring the perfect mole. And interestingly enough, I'm also doing a cooking workshop on mole on uh, 19th December, where I'm, going to transmit whatever knowledge I have in terms of how it's supposed to be made with and how it can be made with Indian ingredients to help people start off on that journey to play around with ingredients they have and they like and come up with their perfect version of mole because I don't think there's one perfect version. There's many different versions of it. Yep, absolutely. And I think that just hearing about the dish, even if I have never eaten it before, it, it just paints this very, uh, very, very fascinating picture of of different versions of each part of the of the country. And I think that that's something that I've always been fascinated by. And, and even a paella or even a biryani, for for that matter, is very different where you eat it. And 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 every biryani thinks they're the best biryani in 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 the country or in the world. And I think that 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 sort of regionalism is very fascinating to me. Um, and I think just to sort of understand um, your experience in Mexico and, and how at least I perceive Mexican food, which is very, you know, taco, burrito, nachos types. Uh, 
is is that a fair representation of of mexican food and mexican culture because i i always shudder when i because i always shudder when i think that a pizza that i'm eating from a dominos or even from a slightly upscale restaurant is anything like the pizza that i've eaten in italy or you know that that i would imagine people eat in italy so is is your was your experience in mexico similar to what someone like mine is so i mean un- mexican food i think is probably one of the most corrupted and varied foods when it reaches different parts of the world not to say that you know texmex food or the burritos are not tasty you know they definitely tasty uh, if you eat a nacho in a good bar or uh, not in a movie theater but in a good place it will definitely be tasty but i think the original original mexican food that i had there is very different and so just to kind of summarize what that looks like i i'll kind of give generic understanding of it and specifically in terms of some of these yummy things we had in oaxaca as well um so in general one of the things i want to say is that uh, they use corn extensively corn is indigenous to mexico from there came to other parts of the world just like chilies uh, they use it extensively to make tortillas to make uh, you know tortilla chips to make other kinds of versions of breads uh, that are stuffed not stuffed they make drinks with it they make desserts with it so they have uh, they use it so extensively that like similar to us that they have huge respect for this ingredient you know nature is an important part of uh, who they are and how they live and so they have a lot of respect for corn it's one of the pre-hispanic ingredients that they love and they use very extensively and so i had actually learned a cooking workshop there uh, called experiencia del maiz which is experience of corn so we spent a whole day making all of these different versions of corn and they have processes involved in how they prepare the corn that date back thousands of years to pre-hispanic uh, times and um, corn is one of them definitely spice is an important element uh, so this mexican food is popular across the world as being spicy so they're not wrong about that i think it's different from indian food in the sense that in india we add our spice into the dish and kind of cook the dish with it so if a dish is spicy there's no way to avoid it whereas in mexico the base dish will usually not be spicy the spice comes from the salsas or the sauces so you will have many different varieties of sauces on your table with different levels of spice um, based on your capability and you can take what you want and there's a kind of little anecdote to do with the sauces that when i first reached in mexico i went to take some like whatever pizza in mexico city or something and you know they usually serve it with the sauce as well because mexicans love the spicy sauces and so the guy asked me do you want a you kind of medium spice low spice high spice and i was like hey i'm indian i actually said this out loud i'm indian i can deal with spice what are you talking about and then he said you might be indian but this is mexico and so i took the spiciest uh, sauce and my god it was killer like i could not tolerate it because it is such a strong hit of chilies something we're not used to like i said in indian food it's balanced with you know creams or nuts or coconut or many different things as per the region where you are whereas this is a strong spice hit uh, the other thing mexicans use extensively would be beads um lots of different colors and varieties of beans that they use in their cuisine uh, in different ways um then i would also say i also wanted to mention one ingredient that we are not familiar with at all here which is a cactus called nopal uh, which is basically really healthy 
um, you know, much healthier than avocado and eat lots of different calcium and protein and minerals. And so nopal is um, sort of slimy, but treated the right way. It's added into soups and stir fries and used as a tortilla as well, uh, which is another ingredient that's existed since pre-Hispanic times and that they love. Uh, and one more ingredient that's very curious is they eat a lot of different types of, you know, insects in Mexico. Uh, so insects are now gaining popularity in other parts of the world, like Europe, for example, as sustainable protein, naturally existing protein sources. But in Mexico, they've been eaten since pre-Hispanic times. So another little anecdote here, I remember this one time where we ordered a guacamole, which, you know, is popular. Avocado is from Mexico. You know, we know that. Uh, so I'm not going to dig into that. But a guacamole came to our table. It was like this, you know, sort of dimly lit place and I took a tortilla chip took some guacamole on it and brought it close to my mouth and suddenly noticed that there's a cricket sitting on it a fried cricket and so I was very taken aback but that's common in Mexico you know crickets are a commonly eaten thing there so that's just a little bit summary of you know thousands of years of culture history and you know culinary experiences from Mexico no, I think the most striking part was the was the insects bit because uh, insects are the new superfood, they're the new quinoa, the new kale, and all of those things that um, you know your Europeans and your Americans then suddenly corporatize and sell to the rest of the world as a quote superfood. So you know, I'm, I'm I, I think that th that's something that I've, I've heard from a lot of people as well is that. These so-called superfoods or um, whatever you want to call them are, are, are in fact very local things that people have been eating for since time immemorial. But suddenly some extremely enterprising individual has come in and marketed it extremely well. And, uh, and suddenly the entire world is talking about it. I mean, you have your film stars and, and you know, these very, very high profile people eating insects and eating your few years ago your quinoa now sometimes your avocado and things like that so it's, it's very interesting to see how how these local practices suddenly gain worldwide popularity and it's always been a, a an interesting thing off the top of my head as to how do these local communities feel when when their food suddenly is the is the new in thing and a couple of years later when it's not I wonder how that impacts them because it's sort of like a gold rush that they have for a few years. If they're lucky enough to see any upside from, from the popularity. Um, but after which it just dies down extremely quickly. So that's something that has always fascinated me. But I think just the last couple of questions about your time in Mexico, especially as a vegetarian, what were the, you spoke a lot about beans and corn and cactus, but what were two or three complete dishes that, that you know, you used to have on the regular and that, if you can close your eyes and and you know have a have a working lunch, what 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 were those two or three things that you used to eat pretty much every day? Yeah, so I think one just to before I get into specific dishes, I think as a vegetarian, it was pretty easy to get around in Mexico. Um, most places, I mean, the good part about the American influence there has been that most places understand the concept of vegetarianism and veganism so it's not like completely alien to them and they know how to work with uh, you know people like me um, 
and serve our dietary requirements. So in terms of things we would eat regularly, one is obviously most famous, surprise, surprise, taco. Um, and so, so many different versions of tacos, but um, amazing, amazing. Why it's amazing? You have the soft, amazing tortilla uh, that because of the corn being prepared a certain way has a very different smell and flavor than let's say your makaiki roti and a different texture as well. And uh, it'll, it can be stuffed with a variety of things, you know, for vegetarians. It can be mushrooms, it can be chilies, it can be uh, zucchini flowers, um, corn, all sorts of different things stuffed inside it. And then chilies and sauces. And then kind of cook together and you get the, the taco on your plate, tortilla with the stuff inside it, sauces on your table, and you can add it as you like. So that's one popular thing that we ate. One thing I really enjoyed um, in uh, Oaxaca specifically was a Mexican pizza, if you will, uh, called Tlayuda. Uh, it's basically, the base is still similar. It's a corn base, very large base, uh, almost fried to make it really crispy with Oaxaca cheese on the top, which is a really nice stringy sort of melty cheese with beans, uh, like a bean paste flavored and with some fresh vegetables on the top. If you want, the other half of it can be a beef, which is can have beef or any other meat, which is what we did with us. So uh, I had the vegetarian version. Uh, my friend had the non-vegetarian version. So, I mean, tacos, uh, tortilla chips with sauces. Um, then I would say ceviche has become really popular in Mexico as well. Even though it's not originating in Mexico, it's from South America, uh, which is a mix of different fresh vegetables, Traditionally supposed to be fish, but vegetarian versions would be vegetables uh, with, you know, sauces and coconut and uh, things like that to flavor it. Wonderful. Uh, and just a quick, quick question on the cheese. And I think that before we started recording, you were telling me this very fascinating story uh, about your cheese dealer uh, in Mexico City. <laughs> So if you want to tell the rest of our listeners, and of course, please be as um, as cautious if our cheese is misinterpreted <laughs> by anyone listening. Uh, I think this would be a wonderful, fascinating tidbit to, to tell the rest of the people listening. For sure. So um, basically, Oaxaca is famous for its cheese. It's a very yummy, stringy, slightly sour, slightly salty cheese that's rolled up into a ball. Um, I first tried it in from a market in Mexico City and I really loved it and it was good uh, but someone told me hey this is not as good as what you would get in Oaxaca and then suddenly on our, in our co-working space where we work uh, one day somebody just sent out a message saying hey I'm sourcing some cheese from Oaxaca directly so he had a maker in Oaxaca and he would fly it in uh, or uh, ship it in freshly as soon as it was made about once a month uh, of sorts and so he sent a message and then I reached out to him saying can you please get it for me and then every time he knew he could source it he would send a message and I would uh, ask him to get me some cheese and then he would message your cheese has been kept at the you know the reception go and take it and I would go take it and then enjoy it at home I would always buy it to make something with it but there would be many evenings where you would find me just watching Netflix and then unraveling that ball of cheese and just eating more and more of it um and so uh, well i never ended up actually meeting the guy who would get me the cheese it was just through this whatsapp conversation that i would source my cheese and finish it and then wait for the next time he would announce the arrival of the cheese 
this sounds extremely not shady at all and i think that if you replace the word cheese in this conversation with with a certain something else it would make complete sense but no i i think that if if i had to have a dealer it, it would be a cheese dealer so that is very 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 cool and so how, how did this experience in mexico impact your life and the things you're doing after because it's been a couple of years now and i think that the past couple of years has been a lot of new things for you as well so how did this experience in mexico impact what what happened after sure so um before we get into that i think one dish i forgot to mention earlier that i do want to mention for sure uh, is a dish called tamales which is a steamed dish again it i identify with the dish really well it has a corn base it can be stuffed with cheese meat mushrooms whatever and then uh, you know steamed in uh, corn leaves and then wrapped overall in banana leaves and why i said i identify with it because you know in south india for example we have different variations of that uh, you know rice flour stuffed steamed in banana leaves and i'm sure in other parts of the world uh, in other parts of the country we have variations of such steamed dishes now coming to how all of this has impacted me right i so like i said before the traveling thali as a concept was born in mexico where i was learning and picking up things of local culture and local food uh, there but i was also teaching and sharing indian culture and indian food and breaking certain myths and stereotypes about you know chicken tikka masala being the indian food that's gone to the rest of the world but you know like i said when i came back i really wanted to bring latin american culture to india and uh, other cultures that i was experiencing tr- uh, through travels after that as well and so that's how kind of i think the biggest impact has been just the birth of travel link thali uh, and uh, kind of curating these experiences from countries and foods that people really don't know much about here so you know nicaragua and chile and peru and uh, ecuador that people don't know much about even though mexico is one of the most known ones people don't really know real mexican food and culture and you know might just see it as a violent land of dust or whatever um so yeah that's the biggest impact i think specifically uh in terms of the mole itself right since then i have tried it so many different times trying to replicate that same taste and like i said before at times i've got it at times i've not and i'm really excited to still go ahead and do a mole class because for me it's a journey and i want people to walk this journey as well and just start trying and playing around with their own recipe and their own version of mole and i think uh, i do a lot of workshops from different parts of the world but i think when i talk about mexico it is with most authority and it is with most love um and that comes across in the in the workshops and when people share feedback or uh, comments about the workshop they love it most when i talk about latin america in general and mexico in specific because it is a culture that i identified with so much and i think any indian will really identify with because of their love for food because of you know their love for family and how they really hold they have each other's back um very similar to how we perform in india and so for me it's it's a culture that i love and it's a culture that i have brought to india since then and i want to keep bringing more and more uh, to more and more people through traveling thali excellent and i i cannot wait to be part of the workshop hopefully the next one that comes around i will be a very keen attendee of and what other countries do you cover sorry i think that i i would love for the audience to hear about little more about exactly what you do so i know there's georgian uh and just tell us a little bit more about the 
very unique countries that you pick and what the process is behind choosing these countries is it just your travels is it research is it how does it work what is the process that traveling pali has for sure so i think uh, first off obviously there's a lot of latin america because mexico ecuador nicaragua bolivia uh, peru all of that and and brazil now uh, then there is other places that i have traveled to so it could be uzbekistan uh, about a year and a half ago i traveled to uzbekistan fell in love with the food fell in love with the culture so it's about bringing that um you know then there is turkey because you know pre traveling thali i traveled there fell in love with it and brought that um and so georgia uh, came even though i haven't been to georgia it came because i had the most amazing georgian meal in uzbekistan that actually was one of the contenders for this kind of most memorable meal discussion today um and you know brazil because i have been learning portuguese brazilian portuguese for the last 3 years now and so i have been exploring brazilian culture so that kind of came in so i think it, to, just to summarize what the process is it has to be a cuisine or a culture that makes me feel something and really inspires me in some way and then i kind of use that as a starting point dig in to history ingredients art culture all of that and try out different recipes with local versions local ingredients get my recipe perfect and that's when i kind of launch a workshop for it and obviously as we do more and more workshops of a particular culture or a particular dish it evolves on its own and each time there's a little bit of a variation so even though you know i i might cook chinese food uh, i might cook you know um, thai food or italian food or whatever it's not something i will uh do in a workshop not right now at the moment because i haven't had that cultural and culinary experience or that aha moment that allows me to really uh you know bring a workshop because these workshops are about bringing food and culture to people i'm not a chef i'm not a culinary expert it's just about being a channel uh, or a platform to uh you know bring these cultures and increase curiosity and reduce hatred and bias Excellent, excellent. And, and where can we find the traveling thali? Is there an Instagram page? How do we find you? Yeah. So at the moment, it's an Instagram page or a Facebook page even. Uh, but Instagram is probably the most active one, uh, and it's the handle is the traveling thali, where traveling is spelled with one L. Awesome. And to everyone listening. do check out the traveling thali we must do a shameless plug of, of both sides of the the audience and the sorry the host and the the guest uh but we must promote our local businesses and people trying to use food as as a as a source of happiness as a source of positivity and a source of warmth and love which i think that aparna has been doing a wonderful job of and aparna just if i may this the final question that we ask all our guests what is the one thing that you want to eat next or the one cuisine or the one specific dish that has been on your mind over the past few months um especially with this whole lockdown that 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 you want to try when things open up or when when you have the opportunity to do so yeah so i think i'm going to make that a little bit broader to countries or regions that i would want to go to because of the food and because of the culture uh, one would be brazil 
like i said i have been uh, learning portuguese for a while now and really been intrigued by what a amazing melting pot it is because you know there's cultures from indigenous uh, you know cultures and foods there is influence from colonial food there is influence from uh, you know africa because you know it was a destination for slaves coming into america historically so lots of different mixes of foods and so that's why i'm really intrigued by it and i do make brazilian food but i would obviously want to go there and experience it myself um then i would say you'll have figured out from this conversation a lot of my experience has been in the western part of the world right spain latin america um uzbekistan turkey all of that um not so much in you know the far east southeast asia all of that and so while i do know how to make chinese food or thai food and a uh, malaysian food and all of that i want to truly go and experience this region much more so specifically that would be um south korea that would be vietnam and that would be cambodia wonderful and i, I think i can testify to the south southeast asian food being probably my favorite large region as a whole uh, of food and specifically indonesian vietnamese cambodian food is is just on another level uh anything especially with our indian palates the spice and the just the just the power of the flavors individually um is something that i absolutely love because it it isn't mo- more about you know having say like a mole where there's 20 ingredients and it tastes like tastes like one at the end of it i think here there's maybe four or five ingredients and you can taste each and every one of them so i think it will be a world apart from the food that that we were talking about on the show and will be a wonderful experience i i'm looking forward to the next time you being on the show uh, we can hopefully talk about your southeast asian journeys for oh, sure yeah it sounds exciting <laughs> okay thank you so much once again for taking the time out on this wednesday morning and i hope you have a wonderful day thank you everyone for tuning in and look forward to the next episode thanks arnav thank you for having me